0: What's up, friends? Welcome to another episode of the Applied Training Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Keeney. And this episode is going to be a little different. It's a little more special to me uh, because this episode is just me talking. And what I'm going to talk about are three applicable areas of self improvement that I found to be pivotal and beneficial to me immensely during the time of living in Washington for me. Um, and these were areas of self-improvement that I think I knew existed prior to going there, but my level of familiarity was close to none, and my desire to grow in these areas was close to none. And so my experience of living in Washington was very special to me in that sense because it forced a lot of self reevaluation and also forced a lot of self-improvement and self-exploration in a lot of areas that I didn't realize I could tap into and realize that were applicable to be beneficial not only to myself, but also to the people around me and to my clients as a trainer. And so the first one that I think held a lot of value to me and still does to this day is therapy or having an outlet. And I don't mean this in the traditional sense of Going to see a therapist, which I wholeheartedly and fully support. A lot of my clients at uh, Pro Club in Washington use therapy. A lot of my close friends do. My my brother does. A lot of people that I know and hold close to me dearly do use therapy. So, by no means am I going to be negating and saying that you shouldn't be doing this. You should be doing the the areas that I chose. But again, for the sake of this podcast, the sake of this conversation. I'm going to just refer to areas of therapy that I used that I found to be helpful. And the first one for me was journaling. And journaling, I got my first journal about two months into living in Washington. And again, it's actually from the influence of my brother to go out and get a journal and just start writing down your thoughts, your feelings, how your day is going, whatever else it is. And I think that it was a great first step for me to explore what being introspective in my eyes or in my viewpoint really means. Because for me when I was first journaling, I had no idea what I was doing. I was literally writing down, I woke up at this time, I had breakfast, I went for a walk, I did this, I did that, I went to work, I did this when I got home, I did that, and then I went to bed. And so my my entries were very surface level even to me. and. I think a lot of it was because I didn't really understand how to explore feelings yet or explore emotional uh, processes. And so it wasn't really until the first main impact happened to me, which was losing the significant other that I was living up there with when she moved back to Arizona. um, We had only been living in Washington together for eight months. And so it was in January that I was truly in a different state by myself alone and without anyone that I knew that was close to me. And so that was a very challenging, I think, concept for me to wrestle with. It's a very challenging reality for me to understand. And so that was when I really started to take journaling a little bit more seriously in the sense of writing down what I was feeling at the time and what I was trying to go through. Because being a very logistical or practical person I never really used any sort of therapy to help me get through those things. I would more so just try and think about them practically or even worse, suppress them and just try and forget about them. And obviously that's not something that's going to work long term. And so having journaled and writing down in the time, at the time, feeling emotional and just being vulnerable with what I was truly feeling at the time Um, allowed me to just fully write down what was coming from my heart and then later on going back and rereading those journal entries with a more cleared state of mind and then being a little more analytical for that sense, right? So when I go back to reread old journal entries, especially at the time during the breakup or at a time when I just wasn't really feeling motivated to do anything, motivated to continue any education or continue developing as a trainer or as a person, that's when i could go back and look at those journal entries and start to realize okay this is where my maturity level was at with emotions and my uh, my self-confidence and this is where i've come from and so for me therapy journaling that was a huge thing having an outlet um, for me having an outlet also meant meditating and so i don't remember which month it was but i know it was the year of 2020 i think it was towards the end of the year because we had already gone back to work after the shutdown And for me, meditating, I think, was a huge thing. I actually got this great tip from one of my clients that, ironically enough, doesn't sleep regularly, but she (laughs) told me that she had a very specific relationship with her bed and that she would only use her bed for sleep. She would not read in her bed. She would not watch TV in her bed or do anything else other than sleep. So that way you have more of a conditioned behavior with correlating the bed, right? When I go to lay down, I know it's because I'm going to rest and I need to sleep, And so for me, that was interesting because I would always read my book or I'd always try and calm down in my bed before going to bed. And so instead, where I started to incorporate meditating into this was meditating just on the foot of my bed. So I would sit on the ground, I'd turn off the TV, keep a dim light on, close my eyes and meditate for five to 10 minutes. And all I would just practice is focusing on my breathing, focusing on what I'm thinking, let my thoughts come out, and then just not either not address them or just let them linger until they go away, right? And I don't mean this in the sense of trying to shut out or repressed thoughts, but more so just trying to truly calm the mind down before going into bed. And so for an entire month, what I did is I would m- meditate either in the beginning of my day as f- as soon as I wake up or at night right before I go to bed. And that soon slowly morphed into Meditating or praying or practicing gratitude before a meal practicing gratitude in the sauna after a tough workout or Practicing gratitude getting to go to the gym and being able to physically exert myself. These were things that for my life personally I took as uh, I tried not to take for granted I tried to take them as something that this is a gift that was given to me that I have the ability to do and I'm so so I'm going to exhibit it to the best of my abilities And so for me, meditating slowly went from doing it a few times a week for a month to doing it every day to now just having it be a regular day, part of my day. So for me, waking up, practicing gratitude, being thankful that I have the bed that I have, the house that I have, the job that I have, whatever it is, things that you know hold a lot of value to your life. Just saying that you're thankful for them, whether you're praying to God, whether you don't believe in God and you just practice spirituality or you just practice mindfulness or anything of that matter. Um, I think is up to you. But practicing that level of thankfulness is is huge for me. And so that's where I think meditating had a lot of influence and impact on my life is that when I was able to practice those levels of gratitude or those areas and aspects of gratitude, I was more appreciative of them when I was exhibiting them. For example, being thankful for my job. I love coaching. Clearly, I have a podcast written or made about it. And I have an Instagram dedicated to it. And that's what I do for a living. And and in my free time as a hobby. So that's something that I was able to have a much better appreciation for and be able to be more present with my clients because I practice that appreciation of, I get to do this. I get to just wear gym clothes, hang out with people all day in a gym, talk about how they can better their health and better improve their mental health and physical abilities. So for me, meditating was huge. Journaling was also paramount. And then going for walks. Right. This was also another form of therapy or having an outlet for me is I made a post about this a few years ago of doing a 10-minute walk after a meal to help improve digestion and influence blood flow and circulation. So that way we can get everything processing in the body to start immediately. And it doesn't have to be a vigorous walk. It just has to be 10 to 15 minutes at a controlled pace. And So that was something that I was able to find a lot of benefit from in that later on in life when I was reading this book, Comfort Chaos, The author in that book actually talks about the benefits, the mental benefits of walking without technology, right? When they did a comparative study of two groups that both went for the same walk and then took a psychology test afterwards to measure their feelings of uh, happiness or their emotions, the people that walked without technology scored higher on that psychology test. And whether there be biased or not in that research I like to choose to use the placebo effect of thinking that that actually is the case because for me I'm able to temporarily disconnect from a technology and just be able to walk around my building go for a walk in the park be close to some trees or nature and then just reap the benefits of the effects of that because I truly believe that there is a lot of there's a lot of benefits out there for that so again take that with a grain of salt if you will take that how you will but mean going for walks journaling and meditating those were big forms of therapy or having an outlet that again outside of traditional therapy which I do believe is very effective and very helpful um, personally those were just that was not an option or a route that I decided to take and that I think I will eventually take at some point in my life and I'm not ever going to discount and so that was a that was a big first lesson for me when I move to Washington because those lessons those those skills um or those practices rather I continued to use those throughout my time in Washington and as I continued to reestablish myself here back in in Phoenix Arizona and so the second thing that being in Washington or being out of a a state of familiarity for me was lesson number 2 by the way exploring my level of uncomfortability And unfamiliarity and the most apparent one for me when I first moved to Washington was the social setting and realizing that I moved from a state where I was born and raised in the same hometown I never left it until I was 24 and so as a result or a product of that I had the same two best friends that I was very close with since I was 13 years old and that I'm still close with to this day and so in my eyes or in my view I never really had to work very hard to establish more of a social circle or a setting Um, And especially later on in my life, right? 24 years old, not really that much late in life. But at the time for me, that was the latest point of my life, obviously. And so I didn't really know how to develop those social skills or rather redevelop those social skills. So being aware of that, again, through journaling and through being more introspective of what's going on, what do I feel like I need to get back in my life is what I realized was a social circle. And so putting yourself in an unfamiliar situation or scenario where you go out to social settings where you don't know a lot of people. And for me, that was more more times than not the case. I mean, fortunately, I had a job where I worked with a hundred different trainers. So I had a lot of options to explore in terms of being in social settings with someone that I had at least one thing in common with, which was (laughs) training or exercise to some level and so i just tried to capitalize on that as best i could and came to terms with the fact that it's okay to be uncomfortable it's okay to be in a situation where you're not talking to someone but everyone else is talking to someone uh, of having that level of comfortability of i'm okay with this i know that i can do my best to my ability. And then if the situation doesn't come out well, or if the the conversation is awkward or weird, that's more of an indication of me of like, okay, maybe this wasn't meant to be, or this is not the person I need to be surrounding myself with. Or on the the flip side of that, of just realizing that if anytime you hang out with a certain group of friends, all you guys are doing is getting fucked up and you're just drinking, you're smoking, you just, everyone's just trying to go out and get wasted, whatever it is. How conducive is that to your reality? How conducive is that to your ultimate goal of whatever it is that you want to do, whether it be practicing good healthy habits or whether it just be getting a promotion in work and whatever else? What what are you doing with your time with your friends and how is it influencing your time with work and your time and your relationship with yourself? Those were the questions that I was starting to ask myself as I was continuing to explore and experiment with social settings because for me, I. I didn't want to just give it one time. Even if it was just weird at the first time or in the first interaction, I would want to hang out with them again. I'd want to hang out with a group of people again. Or when I was, when I was finally single, that was a time to obviously hang out with more women or whatever else. But that was never really something that I think appealed to me in the sense of just chasing a quick pleasure. Um, and so for me, it was more so about establishing friend groups and then seeing if there's anyone that I'd be interested in and from those friend groups, right? So so selfishly, it almost seemed that way where I was just trying to get friends to see if they could hook me up with someone. But ultimately, it was more so for me to kind of have a better understanding of what is it that I actually look for in, in friends that I keep close to me? What is it that I actually allow to be influential in my own life and that I allow to be influenced by? Because ultimately, it should be a reciprocating process, in my opinion, where you're influencing your friends just as much as your friends are influencing you and so that was again another kind of social experiment that I did of how often can I be in an uncomfortable setting or unfamiliar setting to where at some point it just becomes okay this is normal to me I'm just gonna do the things that I know I want to do I'm gonna behave and act the way that I know I feel comfortable behaving and acting and whether or not the people enjoy it that's up to them whether or not we connect is up to both of us and If i feel the connection and they don't that's totally fine as well and so being outside of the social setting obviously that was a big part of it but also trying to explore uncomfortability in a familiar area and for me that was coaching i was very comfortable and familiar with training and coaching but i knew i wanted to continue to progress that and so for me the first step to that Um, was actually creating this podcast. I talked about it a little bit in the first episode, but for me, I, I try to view these podcasts and these conversations I have with my friends and other coaches as a presentation per se, an informal presentation, because I try to do my very best of limiting editing to just putting in a beginning, letting the conversation flow, and then putting in an ending, and then posting that and seeing what you guys think about it. Because for me, that will show or represent more of an authentic and organic conversation being had between two people, or in this case, just by myself. Um, and I think these small conversations that I have to myself are also a good dry run of presenting in front of coworkers or present, presenting in front of crowds. And I think for personal training more specifically, um, public speaking is a big factor in it, especially if you're working with large groups or even if you're presenting in front of, again, your coworkers. Um, that's something that you want to be prepared for and be detailed with what it is that you want to talk about, how you want to present it, and what points you want to get across. And so that's just a, an area of work that I knew I wanted to continue to improve upon, and I wanted to continue to get reps in. And so for me, that's been this podcast. That's been doing presentations. And unfortunately, that was at a time when I was in pro club and I was finally doing that and being groomed as an assistant manager, having been there for two and a half years, I decided to pick up my life again and move. And so that was a very pivotal point in my life that I started to realize there's this pro and con of this constant need for reinvention or for more challenge. For me in my life, that's what I realized is that when I was leaving was- or Arizona and I got to Washington That was a huge push of motivation. That was a huge drive of, okay, you don't know anything about anything here. You don't know the geographic location. You don't know anyone at work yet, whatever else. So I go into overdrive mode, basically. I try to adopt and accomplish as many tasks as I can as soon as I hit the ground running. And so that is, again, it's a blessing and a curse because I think it's great to have that drive to continue to push forward and continue to improve but also having some level of satisfaction and complacency in in your work and your craft and what you do is also as important. So there's that balancing act of knowing, okay, am I just complacent? Am I comfortable with what I'm doing or do I need to try something else? And I think at that time, when I was finally starting to get better at presenting, getting some more reps in and mentoring new trainers and whatever else, I picked up my life and I moved to Tacoma, Washington where I started training the um, United States military in the army more specifically. And I had to completely restart again. It was also at the end of November is the beginning of winter. And, um, just as the first traumatic experience in my life with winter and the first year I moved there and having lost a relationship, that was again, becoming a reoccurring theme in my life of, okay, now I'm going to be back in a new town where I don't know anyone. I don't know anything about my job. And I'm 45 miles away from my family that I finally created or my community I finally created and established in Seattle. And so that was another uh, big challenge that I think was unsolicited, but also warranted in my life. I think at the time, because I had been at Pro Club for two and a half years, I felt that I was becoming complacent and I wanted something new. But in reality, as I look back on that situation, I think that I still had time and ability to continue to work and improve and, and benefit and learn more from Pro Club. But it, I, I also don't regret any decision that I made because I know that the decision of moving ba- down to the military base into Tacoma, also again, put me back into that situation of unfamiliarity and uncomfortability. I'm again in a setting where I don't know anyone. I now have an opportunity to again, reestablish the social, social circle, kind of take uh, a look at what people that I'm gonna be working with, and understand how I can better and effectively communicate with them. Because again, as I talked about in my last episode with Andrew, the the method and forms of communication within the military or civilian to someone in the military is very different than me interacting with an executive even or high up at Microsoft, like at Pro Club, or even just interacting with um, regular people doing regular jobs and, and whatever else. So that, that was a big um, learning curve for me as well, because I would call first sergeant sir i would call the wrong people the wrong names or i would just realize that the way of communicating in the military is a lot by leading by example and again i'm beating a dead horse by having repeated this a few times in different podcasts but that a lot of the things that the soldiers respect or a lot of most of the things that the soldiers respect are based off of what is it that you're going to do that you want me to do because I need to know and make sure that you can do all the things that you're asking me to do, especially with with strength and conditioning, more specifically, is that I had to be on my P's and Q's, dot my I's, and cross my T's, sort of thing of showing them, like, yeah, I can take the same army combat fitness test that you're doing, and I can show you what it means to get a high score on this, and whatever else, and it was just an interesting take that I never really had to be challenged with uh, with any of my other personal training jobs. But again, I'm fortunate in the sense that I love to practice what I preach. I love to do what it is that I like to ask other people to do. I mean, even just between weightlifting, powerlifting, bodybuilding more specifically, and putting myself through those diets and, and everything else, I knew that it was because I wanted to be able to coach and teach people how to do it for themselves. And I think that Obviously, learning from example is the best way to do it, and being the example is, um, for me, what put me in the best position to be able to confidently and competently coach the way that I do. And so taking on a new job, living in another new city alone, again, um, that was a huge a huge bite that I tried to bu- take off at one time in terms of being uncomfortable in a situation and just flipping flipping my world upside down again for the second time in the in the same state and so uh that was a huge thing for me but outside of that outside of the uncomfortability outside of the therapy one thing that i found was really helpful just in terms of continuing to challenge and develop my creativity was adopting different hobbies outside of my skill sets right and so for one of those even Outside of my skill sets, lifting weights, I love to lift weights, but weightlifting, Olympic weightlifting, was something I knew close to little about or close to nothing about. Having done very little of it in high school and then not at all in college, um, I was fortunate enough to have enough coaches and coworkers at Pro Club that knew weightlifting a lot. My good buddy Jake Smith, that has been on the podcast multiple times. He helps me with weightlifting. My other friend, Jesse and Janelle, and a few of my other coworkers have helped me quite a bit with weightlifting. And so by no means do I consider myself an expert or even really overly competent to coach it. But having practiced that, having continued to practice that has really helped reestablish my confidence and self-efficacy, my my belief in being able to do something um, with accomplishing and and tackling new tasks, right? The other one was even just disc golf. With uh, my buddy Jordan that at the beginning of the shutdown we would go disc golfing for once or twice a week for two hours and I was terrible at it and it was so frustrating but playing a sport that you you know you don't know anything about and giving a true intentional 100% effort um, really pays dividends and that's what I realized is that disc golf as insignificant as it may feel to me in my life um, really had a good impact on me of like, oh, okay, I can still try new things. And it's and it's fun to try new things, right? The other one is painting. Um, my brother is, is an artist, makes music and, and loves to paint and, and create. And it was something that I wanted to adopt because of the relationship that I have with my brother and the, the way that I look up to him. And so even if it's not something that's physically demanding, that was something that I knew would still challenge my level of creativity, my ability to think outside the box, literally speaking, um, and to just be free with that. So I could even do paint. I started with paint by numbers and then I just started with a blank canvas and painting, whatever I felt, and then drawing shapes and then doing, uh, drawing with drawing different cartoon characters that I liked or whatever else, like that was, those were fun things to me that I think really allowed me to appreciate. Number one, the time that I have to myself and not distracting myself with that. Uh, One of the other lessons that I really learned that I think was helpful in that book, Comfort Chaos, I mentioned earlier, is that the author goes to talk about using boredom as a tool rather than an excuse to scroll on your phone or to go on YouTube and get lost in the rabbit holes. Because don't get me wrong, I, I will still do that every now and then, but ultimately for me, being aware of the boredom that I have in my life, especially right now, transitioning jobs, is that there's something Beautiful about that boredom because it's a part of our brain. That's telling us like hey, man You have all this extra time. What are you gonna do with it? Are you just gonna sit and scroll on your phone? Or are you just gonna go watch TV? You're gonna watch useless YouTube videos Are you gonna actually do something with it. He gave this really cool example of There's two cavemen you have caveman a and caveman B and they're both going to pick berries to get food for their their family And they have a certain amount of time to do it if caveman a is just picking berries from the front of the bush And then he continues to reach further into the bush and grabs just a few berries at a time instead of handfuls. He's using all of his time to pick berries from one bush just to accomplish one task. Whereas Caveman B, if he's like, man, this is so boring. And he's getting all of the berries from the front of one bush and he goes to another bush that's fresh, that hasn't been picked yet. He can pick all of those fresh berries from the front and then that from another bush and that from another bush. Two hours later, he's already done with his task for the day. Now he can actually go think about creating a fishing pole or something to create uh, more food or gather more food for his family, right? So it's kind of a basic simple or basic plan or, or concept that if you have one task, you know, you need to accomplish and you accomplish it early, reward yourself with trying something else or with challenging yourself with something. And that can be whatever it is developing a new skill even just drawing or something that you know will still be conducive to your mental health physical health or emotional health right that can even just be calling a a relative or a loved one that you haven't talked to in a while and so those are things that i think for me they were really highlighted in my time of living in washington but more importantly they were areas of my life that I I knew I could continue to improve on regardless of if I'm in Washington regardless of if I'm living with my parents or wherever else is that these are areas that will always continue to pay dividends for me these are areas that will always continue to have a special place in my heart that I know I can continue to display and explain and communicate to you all that are listening to this to my clients that I train to my future clients to my coworkers, to my Uh, future wife to whoever it is that it's uh these are areas that again i think are valuable that have a lot of application to yielding positive qualities of life a heightened quality of life if you will and yeah so those are kind of the three areas therapy having an outlet exploring my level of uncomfortability and unfamiliarity and then adopting different hobbies outside of my skill set painting weightlifting disc golf podcasting coaching online kettlebells whatever it is um it's just fun stuff i appreciate you all listening to me thank you for giving me the time of day if you guys enjoyed this podcast if you've enjoyed any of the episodes please be sure to share um give me a rating on spotify or whatever other platform you use i'd really appreciate that and see how much leverage i can get to uh, just reaching as many people as i can Love and appreciate you all. See you next time.